Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Divided Films. I'm JJ, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Keith. Hello! Uh... We are back with another episode, and uh, today we are talking about the 1996 children's film, James and the Giant Peach, directed by Henry Selleck. This movie falls into the category of having a positive score with critics and a mixed score with audiences. So in Rotten Tomatoes, 91% of critics approved, but only 65% of audiences approved. And the critics' consensus, the arresting and dynamic visuals, offbeat details, and light-as-air storytelling make James and the Giant Peach solid family entertainment. So, Keith, is James and the Giant Peach a movie you grew up with or watched a lot? Because for me, I, I think I watched it maybe a few times when I was younger, but it was not a staple in my house. But what about you? I, don't think, I, I can't remember if I saw this in theaters. But I had it on VHS, and I was excited when you messaged this, when you told me we're going to be doing this movie. Uh, it brought back a lot of feelings for me, and as I was watching it, uh, I, it started, I, like, I, the song That's the Life stuck with me. Like, that was always one of those, uh, no pun intended, earworms uh that just like oh I w- it would just sneak into my mind every once in a while so there are aspects i love this i love this kind of, i love stop motion i i think it's one of those movies those kind of that genre of animation that gets its due sometimes but it's never really given its due i think it like i always never hits their budget <laughs> it's a shame yeah you know Stop motion animation, I feel like, has a uh, an unavoidable sort of darkness to it, uh, and not like too dark for kids, but you know, just like it has a little more of an edge than traditional animation, uh, typically because maybe just like the textures of the characters and of the stop motion figures. Yeah, usually the uh, the look is something a little more. I don't want to say twisted, but you know, not like super cheery, wholesome. And uh, it's it's it, it makes it a little more niche, unfortunately. I admire this movie personally, but I can see how, you know, not every kid would be into it. Uh, you know, I was thinking during this movie, it's a good movie. Uh, and I was shocked. At first when I saw the uh, consensus, I was kind of shocked that, like sixty five is pretty low. Uh, I can kind of get it. Maybe sixty five is still a little bit low to me, but I kept saying to myself, like, if I were to rank or just ask anyone to rank their role doll, their favorite role doll movies, I almost guarantee that. Uh, James and the Giant Peach is fourth or fifth place. So it's pretty good. And an emphasis on bold, underlying, italicize the pretty. <laughs> it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty. Yeah, it's, it does a fine job. I think the, the family's entertained. I don't think it has that, uh, 
I don't think it hits as hard as um, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh, but that's not I know that I don't necessarily need it to be, but it's it's fine. I don't want to not. I don't want to like. I don't have negative that many negative things to say about this movie, but I kind of can get the eh, aspect of it. Kinda. Right. It's it's tough because it is kind of like the follow up to Nightmare Before Christmas, being the same director, the same studio, and also I mean they they kind of repurpose the Jack Skellington. <laughs> I didn't notice that the figurine. first time. It's a maybe it's a cute little throwback to the Nightmare Before Christmas because I imagine you know, a lot of kids who maybe like that movie wanted to see this yeah. one because it, it had the same look to it. Um, I mean, for one. As as much as you mentioned that one song, yeah, this is the life. I feel like the music in this movie is like a step down from the songs in Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, we're bringing in Randy Newman, and yeah, he's written some great songs for a lot of great movies like Toy Story. But you know, some of the lyrics in some of these songs leaves a little something to be desired for me. Like, my name is James. That's what they call me. Uh, that song <laughs> that song i don't even know what to say about that song it's just a little curious like sometimes when i forget i go into my head and then i remember my name is james <laughs> like okay your name's james moving on look this is this book was supposed to be unadaptable we, they adapted it are you happy no <laughs> You know what? You know what? I, it reminds me of that Family Guy joke. Like, oh, there's Randy Newman just singing about what he sees. <laughs> it's all very just like New York City. It's far away. It's got lots of people. <laughs> like we know Randy Newman. We know. I, I don't disagree. I don't disagree that there is something that a, I think this movie had like an uphill battle to them. Like the, the I never. I, I don't think I ever read the book, but the book is uh, most real doll books are not like uh you know they're not you know they're not 100 pages right right yeah you can tell that they're adding more to the story i mean first of all i appreciate that this movie is following the logic of a children's story it is it does feel like a children's book come to life in in a lot of different regards like for example there's just yeah, you just don't question the story. There's just things that happen that you. Oh, need to I have, have right? a question. Like, well, for starters, I mean, for me, I'll, I'll question it, but you're not really supposed to. The rhino, <laughs> like, I just get. I think it's so funny. Like, James was happy. He had a parents and a great life, but then one day, a rhino ate his parents. Moving on. <laughs> it's like, wait, <laughs> how? Why? What? And what's funny about that is. It would be easy to just gloss over that and be like, okay, children's book logic, moving on. But the movie is constantly reminding us of the rhino, like with those two ants. And it's like, stop bringing up this rhino, all right? I don't want to think about it. I get it. Stop pushing your luck by bringing it up every couple of minutes. Well, my question was about the rhino uh, because I thought, and this and this is my way of thinking. I thought with the rhino, I'm like, oh, they're not. They're trying to tell. They're trying to scare him by. But his parents died by a truck, 
or something. Like his parents were hit by a car. Oh. And then I'm sure. like, okay, that's that's actually really clever. And then when I was doing research about it, no, a rhino ate his parents. For, for, they went to the zoo, and then a rhino escaped and ate his parents. I'm like, no, I'm gonna still believe my like. All these, if, if Ferris Bueller cannot exist in for a lot of people, and people can create theories about Rugrats and shit, I am I am going. The, the Rhino theory works better just because of how it's presented. Well, <laughs> but I was shocked that like, th- no, no, a Rhino ate his, a Rhino ate his parents. That sounds like an animal well known for being an herbivore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, like, yeah, because, okay, like, in the book, I read, I looked it up, too, like, in the book, it's like, yeah, they go to a zoo, it escapes, and eats a, in this movie, it's even less detailed, usually a movie, you get more detail, it, it, you get less in this scenario, so it's like, wait a minute, were, yeah, was it escape from the zoo, were they in Africa, on a safari, like, wh- how did this come to be, but, uh, yeah, again, it's kind of like, you know, it, I, it could have been any other animal would make more sense. You tell tell me it's a hippo that would make a little more sense than a rhino. I almost feel like Rodal chose the animal that would make the least amount of sense just as a joke. And I kind of, again, get a kick out of how absurd it is. Like, once upon a time, a little boy named James had a great life, but then a rhino ate his parents, and things went downhill from there. But yeah, this, this one, like, is darker than, like, a lot of... Uh, well, Rodal can be, like, pretty you know, uh, like, kid dark at times, but I'm like, oh, yeah, this, the, the movie is about overcoming the, the loss of your parents, and that's why I was like, oh, his, his parents were killed in a car accident, and everyone's like, you know, maybe when he was so young, it's like, how did my parents die? Well, a rhino killed them, and I'm like, that makes sense to right, me. Right, a little less a little, it, less traumatizing, yeah. maybe, than telling the truth, hey, although, rhinos, I mean, said. that's still hey, kind rhinos. of weird. Um, but <laughs> my other question is, uh, on what side of the family are these two ants on? <laughs> yeah, who knows, like, I, right? Because they're, they're so great. hideous. Like, I, 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 like that, JJ, we could be, we could. This is our Halloween costume, and uh, <laughs> and Spiker and Ant. Like Sponge. I love, Mir- I love seeing <laughs> Mir- uh, Miriam Margolis and stuff, but like I always love hated the ants in this. Oh, they're having, they're fun. having fun. You gotta yeah, have fun. Yeah, big it up. Yeah, work, 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 work. I. I, I think they are funny, although I, I don't know if I would have brought them back in the end. But um, I think they died in yeah, the they're, they're, I think they got rolled over by the peach. Right, yeah. right, because in this version, they're in the car, and the peach rolls over the car. But then, you know, they're okay. But what actually really confused me, because at the end, when he gets to New York City, the ants arrive <laughs> in the crushed car, soaking wet with, like, sea life over them. So... Are we to believe that in this crushed car, they drove <laughs> through the ocean to New York City? Like, that makes even less sense than than flying in this a peach. This is only one of the few movies where I accept, like, the dark theory, a, like, some kind of theory that puts this movie into perspective. Like, you know, maybe the, uh, the narrator gave him, like, food poisoning and he's in a coma or uh, the spider bit him and he, like, the kid's uh, imagining he's Jacob's laddering himself a better life because, you know, know, we're supposed to be playing, you know, pirates and peaches and 
again, this is all children's book logic. It is absurd. It's ridiculous. It's kind of like you, you look at the illustrations on the page and animate them and bring them to life. So, you know, again, I, I'm not saying this all from a critical point. This isn't losing points for me. I just think it's so funny that it is so absurdly nonsensical that it actually works. This is in like a removed world, like a heightened magical world of some sort. Yeah. Um, and, you know, things happen that don't make a lot of sense, but like, who cares? It's whimsical. It, it works because it's so consistently on that level that I, I'm following from the beginning and you didn't try to insert any logic to it at any point along the way. James's troubles were just beginning, but now he lives here with Aunt Sponge. Get up, you lazy little bug. And Aunt Spiker. Already wasted four minutes, Leonard. Look at him, lollygagging in dreamland when there's so much work to do. Weeds to pull, wood to chop. Work, 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 work. It took a long time. They wanted to make this movie, uh, and I think uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, get, like Henry Selleck is like, hey, let's do uh, stop motion. But I can't even imagine a live action version of this movie. That would be creepy as hell. Uh, well, what's funny is in the notes you sent me, the reason why the beginning and the end are live action, not the whole movie, was for budgetary reasons. But part of me almost thinks that it works to have the beginning in live action because even though both the live action and animated sequences both are kind of in this removed sort of heightened magical reality, the fact that when he goes into the peach and transforms and now it's animated, you know, kind of elevates the magic in a way. And it's like now the now the adventure is starting. Now he's he's literally transformed, and now then he'll go under obviously his personal growth. And we're going to have our adventure now and, and get away from this miserable, dark, dank world that he grew up in. So I, I think that does work, even though it was done for more no, practical I reasons. And, uh, no, I, as I was, um, you know, you look at the people that wrote, wrote this movie and it seemed to be like their first spot. You have had people that work on Disney. You had people that worked on Chicken Run, Over the Hedge. Like, a lot of this felt like, Either they were not season experts, but they're coming off of Lion King and going to this, and also like the start of a career. And to, I don't know, how it went, like solving the problems of, you know, we got the mechanical shark. We got the, uh, I don't know, I, I think children for, and it's what, it's an hour and a half. I was along for the ride. Oh, less than that. It is like, I looked it up. With with not even when you take out the credits, it's like an hour and thirteen minutes, and I mean that's a restraint too. I think of the stop motion animation; it is so laborious that you really can't make more than a seventy minute film that way, or else it's it's just it's too much. You're asking too much to do, so that's a constraint, unfortunately, with that medium. At least with the kind of stop motion animation they're doing, because when you mention say like Chicken Run, that has more of like a claymation way about it it's just it's not exactly the same right because when you have um these night like like a core line which this director also did this movie or nightmare before christmas you're using more yeah. figurines and i feel like that is like a little it, it seems I'm, I'm guessing it seems like a little more tedious to work with and um you, you probably go insane if, if you task them 
a, a crew of, of doing like a two hour film <laughs> that way. It's, it's a lot, it's a lot to ask for. So yeah, it's, I appreciate what we do get to see, but it's a, you know, fortunate that, you know, that, that kind of animation, uh, especially has with limits. the characters that we're dealing with, like the, the faces of centipede and, uh, I, I don't know, like the, there's a lot going on and not only you got the, the five bugs, six bugs and James, you got, you, you got pirates, you got seagulls, like, it, it, it was still in its maybe infancy to toddlerish age phase of its, like, where we are with stop motion. Like, it, 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 it's... Yeah, like, for the you know, 96, I, yeah. You know, we had the 80s with Mark Twain, but then the first real stop motion, which, uh, the first real stop motion, we, like, that's still a hit to this day is Nightmare Before Christmas. And like, that's also like an 84 minute movie or something. And then uh, yeah, they're that's tight. when at Disney at the time was like this, this stop motion thing could work. Um, but it, it, it barely made back its budget. Uh, it didn't really, I think initially at in its initial theatrical run, I read that it actually only made like less than $10 million of its budget. And I think since then, I think after then the home release, it was able to maybe get to breaking even, but um, it initially was considered a, a box office bomb. And again, like who knows if, if we read more about like the marketing, you know, maybe they weren't confident in the product. You know, I feel like usually that has to play a big part in uh, you know, a, a box office disappointment if it wasn't marketed properly or what it was going up against. Uh, but yeah, that I think that also contributes to the the middling score from the audience is the fact that this isn't something that was either widely seen or or regarded as big of a classic as as Nightmare. Just like I I thought I had fond memories of watching this movie, and I did. I I enjoyed it, and it you know I I got scared when I when the movie wanted me to be scared, and uh, I enjoyed it when it wanted me to like really have fun with it. And but as I was watching it now, probably almost like what twenty five years later, like I had no, I I literally had, and that's me. I had no desire to really kind of go back to it the way I went back to. I've seen Coraline a few times. There's something unique about that movie, but of course, like Nightmare is one of those movies that makes Keith like it's a part of me in some ways. But this movie, I, I started to get and when i was reading the audience reviews i started to be like i i get it i get it but there's still that level of like there's still a level of like craftsmanship that i really respect about this movie i i was admiring the 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 creative innovations and ambition of the movie because there's all these different sort of visuals they're going for you know, they're trying a lot of different things again within the tight constraints that they have and i think that comes through i mean yeah you have that one dream sequence that's in an even totally yeah. different kind of animation it's like a monty python style animation um and um i like the side characters i like the bug characters i think they're all again it's it doesn't you don't have a lot of time to, to flesh them out very well but in the time they did have i i think they did like i think they're very well um identifiable archetypes uh but still in a charming way i think the voice actors probably bring a lot to the characters to to make them more memorable but you know you have your your brooklyn worm with the newsy hat and and the cigar like i i don't know i don't know if those are the exact same character designs as in the book but um you know you're the spider with like the artsy like beatnik hat and everything i like the spider mrs spider character 
I think all the characters and the bug characters, what works about them all is that they really care about the James character. So I remember even being a kid and liking how they were like protecting him and looking out for him and praising him and stuff like that. Like they became his surrogate parents in a way. And I think that's like really the crux of the film is, you know, like he, James loses his initial family and he finds another one. And I think that's like a good life lesson for a lot of kids is that, you know, you, you, your family can be defined in any way with any group of people who, who care about you. And I, I think that's like a really nice and unique message. like the meter the rotten tomato meter in my head is kind of moving around a little bit now uh when jj and i used to live together we fluctuating if it was like a rainy day and no we didn't want to go out even if it wasn't raining we would have like a <laughs> we would have most a days day, we were- a movies day and like uh, it was really kind of like i picked two and jj would pick two and i don't know I can't remember if we did themes or not, but, or maybe like we did horror movies around Halloween or what have you, but Christmas movies, of course, that's a, um, but let's say JJ, we're back in our Jersey city apartment. We're in a roll doll mood. We can only pick four. What four are we picking? I don't even know I if, think, I, like if maybe, I'm aware of four. Oh, you, uh, like I was, you know, Willy Wonka. Um, yes. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, of course. Fantastic. That. That's like a Wes Anderson. That's that's different though. That's Wes Anderson. I, I know. I okay. Fantastic Mr. Fox, A, great stop motion. B is able to elevate the material on a level where it's like I, I know it I can argue and say that's one of his best movies, but it, it's so the script on that is so well. It's it's a kid's movie, but it, it's about a guy going through divorce. It's a like a midlife crisis. It's amazing. I love the book. I love the book when I was a kid. First project I, first book report I did by myself. I didn't. My mom did not even check it. I got an A plus. So there's a hmm. like what I feel about that book and movie are very close to me. So yeah, that, that's go. That's it. That's my one of my two. Oh yeah, I agree with that one. I I, I guess I didn't even have consider that one. We have the witches yeah. with the old one, oh. not the Anne Hathaway one. That um, new one sucks. I would, and then it's a toss up, and this is where I'm like, it's a toss up. Uh, Matilda, or oh, of course, or uh, James and the Giant Peach, and it's just like, they, I kind of feel the same way about both. Maybe I have a little bit more to Matilda, but I they they both came out around that same year. Mid '90s movies. Um, I would maybe lean a little more towards. Yeah, I have to maybe re. It's been years since I've seen Matilda, so I'd have to rewatch that one to give that a fair shot. I would cut out the witches. I never even really grew okay. up with that one. I just okay. know that the remake. I, I I've seen a little bit of of the recent remake, and it, like the ten minutes of that that I watched, I couldn't stand. So I, I'm sure the '80s one is better than that, but I can't okay. even make that judgment call. 
But that goes with the... Okay, so even let's cut out the witches. Okay, so we have our four. And I'm sure there's more. Like, but I... Oh. And it'd be uh, safe to say Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory as opposed to Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. I think you... you uh, I forgot about the BFG, but so did everybody else. Oh, mm, yeah, no. Steven, you're going to get nominated for West Side Story. You're good. Um, they can't all be winners. Uh, but <laughs> I... It's the same thing about how I feel about this movie is that this movie is fourth place, fifth place. Like th- that's where like it's it's good, but compared to how some other people have adapted Roald Dahl, like. Well, you know, it depends on what you want to do with it. Like with Wes Anderson and Fantastic Mr. Fox, he found something in that that could be elevated into more um, like a mature audience. And you know, they found more nuance there. Whereas like this is specifically sticking to, again, like a more of a, a children's book experience. And I mean, it almost has the length of a story time. Yeah. If you, you know, if you remember back in the day, you know, kids in the library gathering around. So I think that's like the feel they're going for. And so like, you know, I'm fine with either way. If you want to elevate it to something else, or if you want to just really be a faithful adaptation for children and, and still, ca- but either way you're capturing the the twisted yet alluring world that Roald Dahl creates in so many of his books, you know, either way. So, um, yeah, it's it's maybe not a movie that is going to be the top of any one particular category, but then does it really have to be? Like, just look at it by itself then. I think it does a lot of good things. It has a lot of heart. It's just, I feel like it's a movie that is just doing its own thing. Yeah. So, and maybe it isn't fair to, because... That's and that's the thing that gets a little lost in the sauce. I mean, the '90s was such a competitive, tough time for for making this sort of family entertainment. You know, there's so many other bigger movies that come out at this time that it's easy to get overshadowed. And I think that's what happened with James and the Giant Peach. Well, yeah, especially with like animation. Like if like uh, not, not only do you have like Pixar coming out of it the out of the woodwork, but you have the Disney Renaissance, you have Don Bluth doing like his thing. You have, uh, yeah. Then, then you have, you're trying to get stop motion on the ground and you kind of got a really good foot in the door. I, I know it's Disney, but it's, it does. It's, I know kingdom hearts is in it, but like I nightmare before Christmas to me is like its own thing. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. It, but yeah, no, it's, uh, you're right. I, I, I looking at the movie on its own, it's. I had a good time watching it, but I probably will not watch it. I would love to show it to my kids one day. That will probably be the next time I watch it because I don't see. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I never saw a reason for me to watch it again. I admire it. It's it's a it's a it's a humble movie. It's an earnest movie. Yeah. I again I I have maybe honestly a soft spot for it, but. I think it's something to to appreciate and um, just you know give give credit to to the earnest work that was put into it. Good God Almighty! Remember what your parents said, James. Try looking at it another way. You're not even a real rhino. You're just a lot of smoke and noise. 
no watching uh watching like behind the scenes of Leica and they have taken stop motion to a whole new level that's like uh uh like what what Kubo and the two strings that like oh yeah like the 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 giant studio spaces they're doing and the I mean, you're watching like time lapses of not only hours but days of them trying to get like a giant dragon or fish or something to just fly twirl in the sky uh oh you know you're right i think nowadays there's less constriction to the stop motion animation style than than there was maybe back in the 90s and you know i I think that that's something to be grateful for because there is a lot of potential there and there can be some really innovative work done because you know i it it's all practical. Yeah. You can you can maybe add some effects on top of it if you want, but yeah, obviously it's, if it's done sparingly, like in in Nightmare, it adds a really cool effect and it, it it's it's really impressive. Any any of that kind of work is always going to be impressive because of how painstaking it is. Like I can't, I don't, I wouldn't have the patience myself to to put in. It's like the um, the Ben Wyatt thing from from Parks and Rec, you know, you, <laughs> dun, dun, you go dun, crazy dun. and come up with like just I don't know a, a, a five second <laughs> blip of nonsense after uh, months of work. Uh, I always remember at the end of one of their movies, uh, Box Trolls, uh, the two uh, lackey characters, like the two comedic lackeys, are talking, and you know it's a fourth uh, fourth wall breaking type humor. It's like, you know, I, I feel like I'm not in control of myself type humor. And then, you know, the camera pans out and you see the the set. And then you're seeing time lapse of the guy making the guy dance. And I just find it that I'm I'm curious. I would love to hear. I would love to get to know stop motion animators. But I feel like they're never given their due. Like I, I don't think I think has a stop motion. It's almost like they're it's almost like they're too good at their job because it comes across so seamless that you really have to stop and think about everything that's going into it because yeah, when you just watch it and you see a great stop motion animated film, you get so into it that you don't think about what's what went into it, and that's ideal. Yeah, that's ideal that you you want your audiences to get lost in the story. Um, but they get so the nominations, of course, but they don't yeah. win. But like the, I was the only movies that make uh, that make that have made money are Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline. And like Leica has never like I always feel bad like they keep making these movies and like they the marketing on them are just is not non-existent. Sometimes I you always forget there was a, a Yeti or a Sasquatch movie with Zach Galifianakis. But yeah, I like. Oh, yeah, I feel like yeah. they're what never I, uh, the missing, yeah, missing, missing link. link. Yeah, I feel like the. I feel like yeah. stop motion is just never. I don't know. We always think about it like, in I don't know. It's always it feels niche, but it just never. It's never given its due that like Pixar it is. I no, it doesn't have to be niche or. But it's just like. But I agree. I, it's marketed in a way yeah. that's like. Here's another quirky movie that's in stop motion animation, and most of the humor is gonna go over your head. It's like no, 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 no. Like, it it needs to be like any other movie marketed in yeah. a way that can appeal to everybody more broadly. Even if maybe some of the humor is like a little more quick and witty. Like, 
You mentioned Chicken Run, and then was it that Wallace and Gromit? Oh yeah, Ard- Ardman Studios. Yeah, that those movies. It's like the classic British humor where the, it's so fast the jokes, and a lot of them are visual jokes. Yet you you need to watch it a few times to catch everything. But I don't consider that to be niche kind of humor. I feel like that's actually very broad humor that anyone who goes into it um, with it's an open mind can really appreciate. It, it's it's all about the mindset. I changed my or uh, thank you for reminding me about Wallace and I think Wallace and Gromit did win best animated short movie back when like Wallace and Gromit go to the moon or something that that one the shorts yeah and it's kind of like Ardman like I know they 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 keep making movies I thought like they did I'm very curious if the youth know who Wallace and Gromit are like I I I used to watch those short like Wesley Dale <laughs> like we're out of cheese like I they used to, yeah, yeah they used to air those on Cartoon Network every once in a while that's right and then I think the the curse of the were rabbit movie comes out in I think the mid two thousands and that did all right network would air it a lot too yeah yeah I I think that's a funny movie uh, and I would recommend that one but it's like the same thing it's like you can do a double feature with that in Chicken Run very similar kinds of humor and funny unique stories but yeah it's uh like it I don't know it's a it's a it's a style of animation that. I really kind of love, and I know just of all the hard work that gets put into it, especially with a movie like James and the Giant Peach being so, uh, like, I, it, it's not like the challenges that I feel like they had to deal with was water. Like I, yeah, no, that's tough to work with water, and just like, it, I would say it's it's on a bigger scale than uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. I think Nightmare had its ton of characters, but they were kind of working within the confines of Halloween Town, Christmas Town. Like, I'm not saying that, like, but I think that, like, the scale of the Arctic, yeah, I think they're just, they they expanded the scope a little on that. Well, this, James and the Giant Peach feels like more of a true adventure movie. Yes. Right, you're crossing the ocean, you get lost, you have to go get, like a key and fight pirates, skeleton yeah. things. Yeah, that that I think has um, it, again that's like more of ambitious storytelling there. Where um, obviously like Nightmare Before Christmas is more of a story of self discovery, both done you know really great ways. But um, yeah, the aspect of having this like floating peach thing coming around. It's it's also you know with the peach, I really wish Roald Dahl had picked almost any other fruit because. I'm very immature, and watching this peach grow on that tree, it literally looked like a butt that was getting fatter and fatter and fatter. I didn't see a fruit. I saw a butt. And to make matters even worse, you know, there's the secret, there's the point when the hole appears in the peach and James climbs into the hole. <laughs> Just uh, like, and the, I even have the shot of the tunnel. He's climbing up and it looks like a colonoscopy. I just like, again, I'm, that's where my mind goes to because I'm like a weirdo, but I can't be the only no, one. Who uh, well, it, I didn't think I'd be telling uh, this story. Um, but I, when I was, after I watched James and the giant peach, I was just typing in, what is because i this is going back to the rhino a little bit i'm like what is the meaning of the rhino in uh james and the giant peach and of course you know when you type a question to google's it and like 
has like other questions too and it's like what is the meaning of the peach and of course someone on reddit asked that and there should have been a no joke comment it's just everyone is saying vagina 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 i'm like oh no i did not get this sense at all like i but i was getting ass, 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 like, ass. i'm just like james and the giant peach flows well like say if you say it, it's like it, it, it rolls off the tongue. James and the giant banana. James and banana, the giant okay, no, he, orange. That would be no, worse. Would be, yeah. James and the giant <laughs> melon. James and the giant grapefruit. Yeah, yeah. James and the giant apple. James and the giant lemon. Yeah, I guess yeah, the peach kind of rolls off the tongue the best. But it's unfortunate because when it's when it grows to its full size and it's sitting there on the ground. You know, it's it looks like what it looks like. Basically, there's a reason why that's an emoji, and people use it to to represent something. So, <laughs> yeah, a, a, a little unfortunate. <laughs> and an otherwise very innocent and pure children. Yeah, film. you know, uh, all the goth kids took over uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and that, and but like all the James and the Gi- Hot Topic Hot to- ruined all that. Movie. James and the Giant Peach got was uh, sexual innuendo emojis. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why it's not as well known at, in the stop motion animation movie. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> well, you know, it's stuff because you know it's it's maybe like the smallest. I know we we're just talking about scale, but it's it's maybe like the the smallest of all these uh, stop motion animated movies we're talking about. Um, it just. Uh, yeah, when when you when you compare it to all the other movies in in the category, like peop, it's it's never like the preferred movie people no. go to. It's like either Nightmare or Coraline or you know, Chicken Run or some of these other ones, or even like the more ambitious ones that come Kubo later on. Is when, an when excellent movie. Technology gets better. Kubo is an excellent movie. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's it's tough. I think people. I mean, I do know that this movie does have its fan base, and the people who did love it as a kid are, are maybe quite vocal about it. There's just not a ton of them, and. Even like take this for example, I you know, I watched this on Disney Plus, and I was actually kind of, I I couldn't help but notice the quality of the video, like watching this on Disney Plus because it looked almost like I was watching a VHS, like it wasn't retouched for streaming. I kind of like that, right? Like they do for so many other movies. I kind of like that, but at the same time, it makes me think, oh, does Disney? Did Disney not even like bother with this when they put it on? It's like ah, who cares? Like it's it's like one of our lesser properties. Just get it on there. We don't have to retouch it for the service like we do with all the big classics like Lion King and so forth. Like it's almost to me, it's like oh, does Disney not really care about this property that much? Uh, because it lost them so much money and it, like it just it doesn't have the wide appeal of so many other movies. Short answer: Disney D- Disney in the nineties took a lot of creative chances and i'm not talking about like not only about like the the animation like the big animation studio movies uh like they're a little like we, we talked about hocus pocus you'll never get a disney movie like hocus pocus i know even even when the the sequel comes out it's gonna be it's not you're not gonna get an erotic uh devil in that movie you're not gonna get it there's definitely gonna be there's gonna be way less talk about virginity. I don't know who that movie's sequel, for. I guarantee you. I don't know. I don't. Like, I know who it's for, but I don't know. 
if the people who it's for are going to watch, but who knows? It, the, uh... Well, think about this. 1996, James and the Giant Peach, same year as The Hunchback of Notre yeah. Dame, which is maybe like the most daring Disney Renaissance movie because uh, of just the, the subject matter and um, how dark that one gets. So interesting year for, for Disney uh, with you know trying to follow up Nightmare with a lighter stop-motion animated movie and then a darker movie from their namesake studio. Okay, uh, I got an analogy. Uh, uh, this is the bug's life to Nightmare Before Christmas's Toy Story. That is perfect. That's exactly what it is. Although I would say this is better than the bug. Wow. You, I, JJ likes ants. JJ likes ants. <laughs> I don't really care for ants or bugs life. I don't know what we got two ant yeah, movies. You, I mean, ants is just basically a Woody Allen movie in, in animation form. I like them. I actually probably, I played the bugs life video game, but it's more uh, like how people feel about bugs life. It's like, you're not really getting, uh, like you're not get, like you know that that one's not a getting a sequel. You got Monsters Inc. Uh, Finding Dory, that Incredibles two, Toy Story four. You're not really getting Bugs Life two, even though you could do it. You could. All you really get, as far as I've seen, is a section of a Bugs Life in one of the Disney parks, because so like you know you but you basically get a section for every Pixar movie in all the Disney parks. And I'm curious how many. Kids have watched it. I'm cur- I'm kind of curious if they have if they're going into that going like who are these people and then they watch it or just like because Bugs Life is kind of the forgotten, uh, and and they do uh, the challenges that the Pixar team had to go through with that movie, um, not to be made but like you know they were dealing with multiple hundreds of ants on screen. That was the first time they ever did something like that, and. It's on a technical level, like I like Bugs Life is good. The same way I feel about James and Giant Peach is just that you don't really none of these movies are kind. Of, they're kind of the younger second brother that's forgotten in the mix. Yeah, they're both overshadowed, which it is a really good analogy. And yeah, they have their fans, but they're not the ones that people really go back to nearly as much, and especially as time has gone on. Uh, you know, they they might eventually get forgotten, which is unfortunate because there was a lot of work put into both of those movies. At least for me, and I can't speak for every '90s kid, but but we're getting older, and we're having families, and it's just like one of those. You know, I think this movie could this movie's equivalent to like finding a dusty book and then reading it, and you're going like, "Oh man, I remember this book. This is a good." Book. I totally I think it's like dig that. It's that. I, it's that. Especially considering, like I mentioned, the video quality. When you, when you, if someone, if a kid were yeah. to find it on Disney Plus, you know, it's on there. If they're scrolling through and they happen upon James the Giant Peach, and they play it, they'd be like, "Whoa, this, this looks really different from a lot of other, uh, a lot of other movies that are on here." And I'd never heard of this. It's like you're right. It's like the book in the back of the library or in the in the attic or something that you have to discover on your own and so who knows maybe maybe some kids will do that and then i would think too that the 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 fan base that this movie does have would want to share that with their children too so i think yeah it could live on but 
this movie is um, at least uh, this movie is at least deserving of an article being written about it on its 25th and 30th anniversary and to be put on Reddit and for people to go, Oh yeah, I lo-, like Twitter to go nuts about, Oh my God, it's the 25th anniversary. I feel old. I might watch that today. It's at least deserving of that. Yeah, yeah I agree. Some <laughs> retrospect. Yeah. Would some be nice retrospect. To call to. I think so. Well, I think people will be kind of how we feel about it. You know, fortunately, we've already passed the 25th anniversary of the movie. So who knows? Maybe the 26th will be the year that someone uh, decides to do something about it. Well, it's the 30th. We'll, we'll do the 30th. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in 2026. Oh, God. It would be wonderful, wonderful. That's the life for me. You call that a life? That's the life for me. There's no pile of debt. Okay, so uh, I think we're ready for our final percentage scores. So, Keith, what what would your grade be for James the Giant Peach? I think it is a movie that we would watch on uh, our movie day, our Roll Dell. But it'd be like the first one. Like we usually would start around twelve, and we'd be done by like what one thirty. It's not. It, I don't. I can't give it a sixty. What's uh, giving a movie somewhere in the sixties to me? It means it's like passable. This one's a way more than passable, and I'm going to give it a seventy-six. Seventy-six. 76. That's. I think it's. Okay. I think it's good. I think people would enjoy it. Um, it might not. Stick let me with, ask you. It this. might not stick with you. Let me ask you this: the critical score, very high, ninety-one. What do you think is attributing the, uh, the the very high critical score? Critics seem to be really won over by this one. Our boys, uh, both uh, Ebert and Siskel, both liked it. Um, my guess is the crafts, the craftsmanship, the storytelling—they know. Like with Roald Dahl, what you're getting with a Roald Dahl movie, and I think you kind of summed it up. Like you're getting that storybook uh, feel to it, and it's uh, at the time it's fresh, it's fun, it's funny. Um, I kind of do agree with you a little bit about the Randy Newman, but look, he put all his eggs in in that Toy Story basket. He walked like that's where his Oscars and and even he was focused on Bugs Life after this. He did that uh, so. I think if you put like a hundred critics into a room, ninety-one of them liked it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I agree. I think that um, yeah, maybe for the time it was refreshing because also I get a sense that the nineties. You know, I was like a little kid then, but I get a sense that the nineties was the beginning of this age of cynicism, and then you have this very sincere movie come out in the midst of all of that that yeah. is just trying to tell a sweet story of this boy who finds a new family in an unconventional way and you know it's 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 simple in one regard and then you know creatively ambitious in another regard there's so no I, irony um there's no irony or sarcasm right. it's kind of refreshing in this day and age <laughs> it's very yeah I, I agree it's it's very sweet and can win people over if if they're open to that 
So, yeah, I'm going to give it a little higher. I'm going to give it an 80. Ooh. All right. You know what? I'm, as I know it's obvious to do the math on this, but I'm very satisfied with the score. I think we're kind of, I think we yeah. kind of, I'm not giving the 65, I'm giving this people who are middling about it. They're, I could see why, I, but uh, I think we're 78, right down the, right, right where And you belongs. know, honestly, and you know, it's tough though, because I think, let me look at these scores again. We are actually right in between. Seventy-eight percent is literally right in between the critical score and the audience. Oh, really? Score. Oh my god! Thirteen percent higher than one and thirteen percent lower than the other. But, <laughs> yeah. but, 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 but. Okay, Jeff Probst, what are you gonna do now? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I think sentimentally we are in agreement with the critics. Basically, even though mathematically we're in the middle, I think that we can say that, you know, we're giving this an approval in the same sense that the critics did back then. And so for that reason, I will say that we side with the critics, James and the giant peach. Well put. I also get a sense. I also get a sense that this audience score the audience themselves are divided because you have the people who are like, we love this as a kid. And then people who are like, ah, I didn't care about this as a kid. And that's, that's the middle score there. So I would say that like all your critics, almost all your critics like it, half your audiences like it. Um, so, you know, it's of the people who did watch it, they liked it, but there's a lot of people just maybe missed it. At least so, I know I didn't see uh, that many people not like it it, they, it went from mad to great they, like right right i don't think people it, it can, i don't think you really hate yeah. on this movie because like you know what's what's there's not really much to dislike if it doesn't click with you then you just move on you, you know there's there's no reason to to have negative energy towards it i wouldn't want to meet that so, person um, i hated this movie i'm <laughs> like jesus i freaking hate james and the giant beach it sucks yeah it's like all right now well i think you have some other yeah, yeah like you got you got do a little soul searching there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's more going on than James and the Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Another great discussion, Keith. Um, we're going to continue on our way with more episodes. Um, but this was a fun one yeah. to revisit. It really it's been was. so long. Uh, and then, uh, guys, keep an eye out for more Divided Films coming soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.